electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends, I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to put things in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today, the market threw a President's Day sale. You just didn't know it. Yep, almost everything got marked down today. And as usual, potential buyers ran from the sale rather than embracing it. Dow ultimately plunging 697 points. The S&P plummeting 2%. The Nasdaq nosediving 2.5%. Look, I don't blame anyone for fleeing. We have so many things going wrong right now. This morning, we just heard from two of the largest retailers in the whole country, Home Depot and Walmart. Got the CEO of the latter on tonight. Both companies made it clear that there's really no end to inflation, that it's eroding the purchasing power of the American consumer still, even as both companies are doing their best to contain it. At the same time, long-term interest rates, well, they just keep going higher, making stocks less valuable in comparison to bonds. That's a terrible combination. All centered on the fact that no matter what the Fed does, it doesn't matter. It can keep raising rates and nothing seems to stop inflation. When the market cascades lower like this, you have to recognize that we're going through what Wall Street's call a reset. A reset. Look, in plain English, that means almost all stocks have gone up too much since the beginning of the year. And they now have to repeal some of that move. Remember, the 2023 rally has been all about the idea that the Federal Reserve will soon be finished raising interest rates because it seemed to be winning the war against inflation. Now, it doesn't even seem to matter to people. It doesn't matter that Jay Powell, the Federal Reserve chief, never said that he was about to win. He was not about to declare victory. He made some encouraging comments about disinflation, but he also made it clear that we've got a long way to go. It doesn't matter that he said there's been persistent inflation in wages, the thing the Fed worries the most about. The real big trigger pullers just assume we were in what I call a Dr. Pangloss market. Yeah, all is for the best in the best of all possible markets. So they bought the industrials. They bought the banks. And most important, they bought a ton of small cap tech stocks that just weren't worth what they paid for. 
Now that we're getting discouraging data on the inflation front, much of the buying, well, it needs to be unwound. Sell, 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 sell. That's why the selling is so aggressive, so torrid. Tons of institutional money managers just simply got the market wrong. They knew nothing. Amazingly, the big bond traders, they got it wrong, too. Those who bought 10-year bonds thinking the economy would cool and inflation would go down also got bagged. Now they're selling bonds aggressively, which causes long-term interest rates to rise. More competition to stocks. So what does this have to do with you, with your portfolio? Well, it means that this darn President's Day sale may not be over. It might be one of those sales that lasts a couple of days longer to keep marking them down. Maybe today was just the beginning. Which brings me to the big questions. How long will the sale last? How do you know if it's even worth taking this opportunity to do some buying? Should you be joining the sale rather than buying into it? Sell, 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 sell. Let's take them one at a time. Should you join the sale? Depends. If you own stocks that are up huge for the year, it's definitely not too late to sell them. The S&P 500 is up low single digits right now. So if you own a stock, say, up 25, 30, 40% more, recognize that the sell-off here is probably far from over for you. If you want to join it, take something off the table, even if today's bruising, you know what? Not a bad idea. However, if you own stocks that are up as much as the averages, not much more, no, nah, no, nah, I wouldn't sell them here. Not worth it. You can try to swap out and swap back in, but I fear you won't be fast enough to figure out what to do and get back. Now, which brings me to the point of tonight's show. How do you know when this President's Day sale is about to end now that the markdowns are just hideous? First, longer term interest rates have to stop going higher or at least stop going higher so rapidly. This is a tough call, though. The 10-year Treasury is yielding almost 4%, but the 2-year Treasury is yielding 4.75%. I've been saying that that's ridiculous, that you aren't getting enough interest on the 10-year. Long rates are simply too low. They have to go at least as high as the short rates. You aren't being compensated well enough for 10 years with a risk. So there's a lot of wood to chop here. Real tough. We need rates to calm down. The journey higher seems inevitable, but we need it to happen more gradually. If rates stop going up so aggressively, they don't need to go down. The sale might be nearing the end. Oh, boy, here's a tough one. We need to see last year's biggest losers that have made huge comebacks. This year, we need them to go back down. I'm talking about the companies that are losing money and the stocks that are trading at high multiples to sales, not earnings. So many of these stocks, mostly these anomalous tech stocks, really aren't worthy of their current bounce back valuations. Third, Oh, we got to see a resurgence, a resurgence of recession-resistant stocks, the PepsiCo's, the Merck's. Now, here's good news. That move seemed to have started already. Great sign. Fourth, we need to see the banks stabilize. Why the banks? They become the unsung heroes of this market because buyers believe they can peacefully coexist with higher rates as long as the Fed doesn't tighten too rapidly. If rates really soar, though, then we got a problem with bad loans. But if rates dribble upwards, the banks represent tremendous value right here. Remember, every time the Fed tightens, these guys instantly become more profitable. Fifth, now that the retailers are reporting, oh, we got to see the wheat separated from the chaff. We need to see some of the stocks go up, not be trash, not all at once. For example, today, Home Depot reported an okay number, tepid forecast, stock got crushed. Makes sense. Home Depot's earnings are tied to housing, and the Fed's doing its best to level housing. 
On the other hand, Walmart delivered a set of magnificent numbers. This is no longer your grandfather's Walmart. It's got value. It's got price. It's got a fabulous omnichannel business that I think is competitive with Amazon. It's encouraging that Walmart stock finished the day in the black. Again, we'll hear from the CEO later in the show. Finally, we really need to see an oversold reading on the proprietary SB oscillator I'm always talking about, especially with members of the CBC Investing Club. The oscillator is currently at minus 3.2. Nah, nah, not oversold enough. How about minus 5? Then we can take a look at it before we get in front of this freight train that is this sell-off. Bottom line, oh, it's a tall order here. I don't even know if we can get all six of these. Unfortunately, this President's Day sale doesn't feel like it's over. But the checklist, this checklist, will give us a real good feel. Until more of these boxes get checked, respect the sellers. In fact, you might even want to join them if you have stocks that have had huge runs. They've got most likely, let's say, a lot more to fall. Let's take questions. Let's go to John in Pennsylvania. John. Mr. Kramer, how you doing? Hope you had a good birthday. Oh, it was fabulous. Thank you for asking, John. Seems like ages ago. How can I help you? Um... You know, last quarter, uh, Yeti had a lot of good things to say. So, um, yeah. and first, I, I belonged to the, collect, the, the investment club and all Thank that. And I truly love it. And the information oh, is awesome. Hope I you see know. you Saturday. What's going on? Exactly. So, last quarter, Yeti had a lot of good stuff to say, I thought. And so, we waited for it to come down over time. And we bought it in. A, we thought it was a pretty good price. And there reports here in a couple of days. And uh, a couple of days, no, a week or so ago, they had themselves a okay. magnet problem. <laughs> you know, they yeah, I know. Back from there, today's just a crush day for everybody. Um, right. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? I look. They just changed CFO. Uh, I want to give them a little chance. I think that the stock can trade maybe ten percent lower, and then I think John will be in good shape. But you know what? Don't get itchy to buy here. It's too hard. Look, unfortunately, this President's Day sale does not feel like it's over yet. Until more of these boxes get checked on our exclusive list, respect the sellers. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, Starbucks has a new product that interim CEO Howard Schultz thinks will be disruptive, maybe additive to earnings. I'm going to learn more about the latest innovation with the man himself. Then Walmart, as I mentioned, reported a quarter that received a mixed reaction on Wall Street initially, but then went up. I'm running through the numbers with the company CEO. And does Palo Alto Networks have what it takes to defend itself from the bears on the street? It sure looks like it. I'm going to talk to the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Tonight, Starbucks just announced a new line of products called Oleato. It's Arabica coffee mixed with extra virgin olive oil. And it's launching in Italy tomorrow before coming to Southern California this spring and additional markets later this year. They sound incredibly confident about this. But don't take it from me. Earlier today, we got a chance to check in with Howard Schultz, the interim CEO. Take a look. Howard, I have not heard you this excited about something at Starbucks, this transformational for years and years. Tell us about this new drink and why you think it's going to be big. Thanks so much, Jim. Well, first off, from Italy with love, Jim. You know, as you know, I discovered espresso and the Italian coffee bars in 1983, 40 years ago. And this summer, 40 years later in Sicily, I had another epiphany. And I discovered Partana extra virgin olive oil. But the discovery was the alchemy and the infusion of a spoonful of olive oil mixed perfectly with cold and hot espresso Starbucks beverages. And I'm gonna bring a couple on set so you can see it. Unfortunately, you can't taste it. This is a transformational moment in the history of our company, creating a new category, a new platform, and a sense of discovery for our customers. And just think about olive oil and coffee have been around for thousands of years. And here, the heritage of Italy, we discovered it and we're bringing it to America and tomorrow, We open in Italy. It's going to be an extraordinary event. The name of the beverages and the category is oleato. And oleato is the Italian word for oil. Here's the first beverage, Jim. This is golden foam cold brew. Oleato, golden foam. You would love it. Well, if I put a spoonful of my olive oil into coffee, It may be nothing special. What do you do to make it so that this is very different from just dumping a spoonful in? I'm glad you asked that. I mean, over the years, you can imagine all of the customized beverages that the Starbucks Innovation Beverage Team have created that has been at the center of Starbucks business. Well, once again, we have created secret formula of infusing the oleato olive oil with Starbucks coffee and creating a beverage that does two things. It produces a velvety, very luscious, uh, almost creamy, buttery flavor and extends the coffee flavor. And you get a viscosity on your lips, extending the coffee. Everyone who has tasted it in Italy in preparation for tomorrow has gone wild because nobody could expect that we would do something like this. And once again, it is disruptive innovation that only Starbucks could do. Now, Howard, we know when we watch you do that, do we say, when can we get it in America and where? How soon? Okay, so we open in Italy tomorrow in our 25 Italian stores. I'm sitting in our roastery, which opened five years ago. 
uh, will open in California uh, early spring, southern, starting in Southern California. We're going to go to Japan as well, the UK, the Middle East. This will be a new category and a platform all over the world for Starbucks. It'll enhance our business, but most importantly, provide a sense of surprise and delight for our customers. And what we know about our customers, and we've shared this with you over the years, is that they customize beverages. So even though we're creating core beverages for Oleato, our customers are going to put a spoonful of, of Portana olive oil into their beverage and customize it and have the same luscious, buttery, velvety flavor that we've created on our own. And Jim, here's the next beverage. This is very simply Oleato iced shaken espresso. And you're right, I haven't been this excited in years because I know instinctively that we have created a completely new platform transforming both the coffee business and I'm sure we're going to transform the olive oil business. The hero of the story, though, is Partana, a family-owned business in Sicily, and it's not just any olive oil. It's olive oil. This, this family has been growing olives for 100 years in the Valachi Valley, very unique almost very similar to how we grow coffee and the symmetry is just perfect and once again Jim the proof is not what I say or the marketing or the PR the proof is always in the cup and that's why I'm so happy so proud and instinctively know this is gonna be a great success for our company okay so Howard you are uh, handing over the reins in April it sounds like to me that you will stay on I know you're a, a member of the board as an ambassador of this new drink. Is that possible? That's correct. I will, uh, I'll introduce it in Japan in late April, and I will carry the Starbucks flag and the American flag all over the world for Oleato. But make no mistake, Laxman is the CEO the, uh, at the annual meeting on March 23rd. There's only one leader at Starbucks. It's going to be him. I will stay on the board helping Melody and him as an advisor. But Jim, come April 1, uh, the CEO role for Howard Schultz is over, and Laxman is the CEO. Now, this is a great model for you. You have had to step back at times and come in. You will have a role that's operating from the point of view of Partana and Oliata, but otherwise, member of the board, and this will not be your baby, but what kind of baby are you giving to Laxman? <laughs> well, the momentum in our business is strong. Uh, we're serving more customers in the world than ever before. Uh, China is going to bounce back just like we predicted. And I think we've got a new category and a new platform for the company and our customers. And I think the win will be at Laxman and our leadership team's back. And I think, you know, our, the year for me is over. I feel really gratified about what we've been able to do. As you know, we've added about $40 billion in market cap since I came back April 4th. And I feel really good about the position we're in, the equity of the brand, and Starbucks' position, not only in America, but around the world. And very happy to see that our Chinese customers are coming back. Now, we know that uh, the Federal Reserve here is worried about inflation. How much inflation, including wage inflation, have you had to deal with? Is it nominal or is it substantive? And are you worried about it going forward? I'm not worried about inflation going forward. And I might be the only CEO in America that feels like we're going to have a soft landing and not worried about the you know what people are saying about recession. Our business is quite strong. You saw we had 10% comps last quarter in the U.S. Double-digit comps around the world. 
We have had inflation. We've raised prices about 5% or so. We don't anticipate any more raises. And we're in very good shape as we look at the balance of our fiscal year. Now, you know that on Wall Street we care about earnings. You've got a new drink. Is it your estimation that this is a needle mover for those who are invested in Starbucks, which includes my charitable trust? Well, here's what I believe. Uh, I believe that we are introducing a product in a category that will be disruptive in terms of innovation, and Starbucks will be a market maker with Oleocto. I believe it'll be incremental over time, and I think we're going to change behavior and enhance the value of our customer experience, and always mindful of, of really the fiduciary responsibility that we have in enhancing the, the shareholder value for Starbucks, and I think Oleocto will, will do just that over time. I could not avoid my favorite drink, frankly, which is an espresso martini. Are you talking about someday actually putting what goes into a martini into this drink? I'm glad you asked that, because in the roasteries uh, in the U.S., in China, and here in Milan, one of the signature beverages will be Oleato espresso martini. And we've been sampling that to Italian customers and some people around the roastery. And I can only tell you the line has been out the door to get one of them. And people will be able to get that tomorrow in our Seattle roastery, in New York roastery. You'll be, get it, you'll be able to get that as well when we introduce this in the U.S. in the spring. Final words from Howard Schultz about this drink and about Starbucks. I think uh, the wind is at our back. We're certainly sensitive to the pressure on our customers. We want to do everything we can to exceed their expectations. And we think Oleato is a market maker and emblematic of the disruptive innovation and the entrepreneurial DNA of Starbucks Coffee Company. And Jim, thank you, as I said, from Italy with love. Oleato. All right, Chow, fantastic. Howard Schultz, thank you. Interim CEO of Starbucks and, yes, soon to be full-time ambassador for Partana Oleata. Love it. Thank you so much, Howard. Great to see you again. Thanks, Jim. Thanks very much. Coming up, Walmart has warned of stiff winds ahead. Should home gamers heed the caution or stick with the stock? Kramer's got the CEO next. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This morning, retail giant Walmart reported a much better than expected set of results. And even though the guidance was conservative, the overall strength here allowed the stock to defy the gravitational pull of the averages. So how'd they do it? Let's check in with Doug McMillan. He's the president and CEO of Walmart. To find out how it happened. Mr. McMillan, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having us. I got to tell you something, Doug. When you have $600 billion, $600 billion in sales, and you expect to add, I don't know, let's say $38 billion more, I have to ask you, how can a company grow that fast that is so big? Uh, it's a team effort. Our team did a great job. Jim, as you know, we started off the year with some real challenges, but they finished strong. Q3 was better. Q4 was even stronger. They did a great job working through the inventory challenges, dealing with inflation, and that got us to um, an all-time record in revenue this year of $611 billion. Well, then I want to step back. I know the analysts are very concerned about every little nitty-gritty gross margin. I get the comp store sales. I want to look at you a little more holistically. I think you are representative of what the country needs. You offer great value, and you offer it wherever people want it, whether it be on the channel or brick and mortar. You're the only one who can pull it off, and therefore I think that is this, the real secret sauce right now for Walmart. Uh, Jim, we would agree. It turns out that stores and clubs are a real advantage. And as you know, over the last few years, we've made a lot of changes to grow an e-commerce business. It's now about $80 billion around the world. We're in, we're in 20 countries. And that growth has enabled us to serve customers in ways that, uh, that many other people can't. We're really close to them. You can pick up an order. You can have it delivered. You can have it delivered in some markets all the way into your home, into the refrigerator if you want to. So we're positioned to be able to continue to grow the company um, because we are serving customers and members how they want to be served. Well, I've been trying to describe you. You're, look, you're a great retailer, but you're also a tech company to some degree. You're hiring a lot of tech people. You told me you were going to do that about five years ago. Everything you said came true. What I really like about it is that I find that there's another company called Amazon. And Amazon does not have 5,000 brick-and-mortar fulfillment centers, so therefore can't bring it to you as fast and as cheaply as Walmart. Aren't the brick-and-mortars, after thinking that it's a disadvantage for a long time on Wall Street, you're actually great advantage versus others? They are an advantage. If you take the U.S., the Supercenter is a fantastic format. And what you saw as we got towards a, a period of the pandemic where people could come back is that they did come back and shop in our stores and in our Sam's Clubs. And we've been able to use them with a, a great assortment of merchandise, including um, fresh food, perishable food at a great price, Walmart and Sam's Club prices, to be able to do pickup orders and delivery in a way that's driven our e-commerce business. Now, at the same time, we've been building our e-commerce capabilities for first-party inventory. We're growing a marketplace, adding fulfillment services, selling, selling ads, and building a business that enables us to, to grow the profitability of the company over time while still offering a great value. And the stores and clubs are the, the foundation of all that. The Federal Reserve is trying very hard to keep down prices. When I go down through my aisles in my Walmart, I see things like Twist and Shout cookies. They're $2.88 versus the actual Oreos, four fifty-eight. Great yellow value, great value yellow mustard, 20 ounces, buck ninety-eight, versus eight ounces French's, a buck seventy-eight. I could go on and on. Great value asparagus spears, two ninety-eight, green giant, four ninety-eight. Isn't this not your, I want to call it not your grandfather's uh, Walmart. These are prices that Gen X knows, that millennials know. They see real value here under your fantastic brands, whether it be market side, fresh assembly, and they recognize you're a better value and your stuff is every bit as good as the brand is. 
So first of all, thanks for shopping in our stores. Uh, no it's great that you've been in there. Yeah, you're right. Um, everybody needs value. Um, whether you're old or young or, or rich or less rich, you need to be able to shop for value. And private brands, if they're the right quality, are a great, great way for us to grow our business. And as we try to fight inflation, you know, our purpose is you've called out several times is to save people money and help them live better. Um, to do that, we try to find ways to bring them a value and private brand plays a big role in that, whether it's in food or it's in general merchandise like apparel. Uh, when I look at your private brands where I see your, uh, who's represented, Guatemala, Jordan, El Salvador, Ethiopia, Sri Lanka, Cambodia, Indonesia, Pakistan, India. Is this a concerted attempt to be able to do the best value and go to those countries? Is it a way to diversify away from China? Is it a way actually to uh, create worldwide value? Because these people don't, it's probably the best jobs are uh, jobs making uh, fresh assembly and wonder nation easy peasy and celebrate brands for all these countries. Well, we want to buy more here in the U.S. for our U.S. business. That's been an objective of ours forever, and we continue to set the bar higher and try high in terms of trying to grow our volume made in the USA, regardless of the category. And today, about two-thirds of what we sell here in the United States is either grown or manufactured here. That other third is imported, and we do have a capability of looking around the world to find the best value, quality and price, for our customers and members but we'll keep working to try and get as much as we can made here. At the same time, what I see when I look at branded prices, I have to believe that the branded guys have to be worried. They have to think about bringing down their price, something that the Federal Reserve can't do, simply because your high-quality uh, house brands make it so that they, can't, they shouldn't be able to charge what they did and think they can get away with it. Well, over time, the market works, and customers and members are, are really sharp. They know value and they find the best price. So we believe branded manufacturers and all of our suppliers of all types will have to respond to that market in time. No doubt a lot of us, including our business, has been put under pressure from various forms of inflation in the, in the last year in particular. And we're working with our suppliers to try and get rid of, of as much of that inflation as fast as we can to get prices down. Every meeting we have with the supplier, we're advocating on behalf of the customer, trying to make that happen. And where we can with private brands, we'll keep showing that value and giving our customers an alternative. That's what they want and need from us. I want to go back to this notion, and it's not your grandfather's Walmart. When I used to walk into my Walmart, I saw a lot of uh, what I would say are foods that aren't necessarily good for me. Now I walk in, and not only do I see fruit and vegetable when I first come in, but I see organic fruit and vegetable. To me, that says, once again, that Doug McBillan is trying to get that Gen, Gen Z, Gen X, millennial, that people don't realize are going to Walmart because it's got quality, value, and price. No doubt. And you know, we've changed a lot and we'll keep changing. I think it shows up, Jim, in the products we're selling, as you described, and also in the way we go to market with our app and other services. Um, today, we highlighted the fact that we've got a, a voice and text capability within our app that is scaling. New technology will play a role that will help us attract younger customers, younger families. And there's this one inflection point, Jim, that matters an awful lot, and that is when you have your first child. Um, suddenly things look a little bit different. You become even more value conscious. In some cases, you reassess where you shop. And we want to win um, our customers and families' businesses at that particular time um, in their life. 
All right, so let's bring it all together. Uh, your guidance was conservative, I felt, and your CFO, I've known John Rainey for years, uh, does a very good job of explaining, look, we're not going to overpromise here. But what I look at Walmart at this particular time, when a lot of people concerned about the country and value and where to shop, somehow you have now captured what I regard as the actual zeitgeist in this country. People are worried. People don't have as much money as they did. People are trying to save. People are looking to Walmart the way they used to look at to Amazon. Amazon's competitive, obviously. But Walmart Plus, I think, is the best deal around. Well, we're obviously bullish on Walmart. Um, The annual guidance is just that. It's annual. And it's hard to know exactly what the back half of the year will look like. We've got momentum headed into the year. Inventory's in good shape. We're on our front foot. And we've made changes in the business with things like pickup and delivery with Walmart Plus that we think enable us to serve people even better and attract all income levels, all age groups to our company. And we'll keep working to try and earn their business. And we think we've got a great opportunity this year and and as we start the year. But you still talked about stubborn inflation and dry goods and consumables. But when I go through the stores, this is exactly what you're attacking with your private label bands head to head, a Scott paper, Scott tissue versus your own. Aren't you or am I attributing too much strength to Walmart capable of actually bringing down some of these prices yourself? Well, I think we have historically shown that we can bring prices down and private brand is sometimes the easiest way to do it. But we want to have a great relationship with our branded suppliers and do it with them, too. It's our preference, actually, that our branded suppliers step forward with the value that customers and members are looking for um, so that we don't have as much pressure on private brands. But we'll be there with private brands where we need to. And, yeah, we, we want to play a role in helping um, get prices down. Um, That's what we've historically done around here in our hallways and in our meetings. We talk about um, not participating um, in a recession, if there is one, that we can win in any environment. You know, if people are looking to save money, we're the place to come. If people have more money, we're the place to come with our combination of products and services these days. Um, We just see that, you know, we've got an opportunity, given where we're positioned right now, to continue to grow the top line and also change the business model to improve our operating income percentage, improve our return on investment over time by changing the actual composition of the P&L. And we've been working on that with Marketplace, with Ad Income and other things. And those things are starting to scale now. And you're seeing that. And as we talked about our guidance today and talked about the company with investors, that was one of the things that we stressed. Excellent. Let's leave it there. Your stock was down five at one point. Everything that you said just now is why it's going higher. And it's because people are recognizing that maybe Walmart is not the old Walmart. It's the Doug McBillan Walmart that you've been working on. And I congratulate you for your success in pulling it off, Doug. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Jim. That's Doug McMillan, President CEO of Walmart, WMT. I got to tell you, I was blown away by the numbers this morning. Wall Street didn't figure it out till later. Man, money's back here from break. Coming up, the going has gotten tough for tech. Will this data defender's earnings buck the trend? Kramer's got the CEO next. Today was hideous for most tech stocks. But after the close, we got some incredible results from Palo Alto Networks, the best of breed cybersecurity play. They shot the lights out. We're talking about a 27-cent earnings beat off of 78 cent basis, higher than expected billings, sales, and guidance excellent for the current quarter future. Top it all off management raised their full-year forecast, which is why the stock is just soaring in after-hours trading. So let's take a closer look with Nikesh Aurora. He's the chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. To learn more about the quarter, Mr. Aurora, welcome back to Mad Money. 
Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Okay, Nikesh, these numbers versus what you said you could do even three months ago are extraordinary. The business is pouring in. What is what is the spur for all of this, what I regard as being amazing quarter? Well, Jim, uh, you and I talked about this, and we talk about this every quarter. Uh, the challenge, as we all, and all saw, that deal scrutiny was increasing. People were paying more attention. Now, that I said to you, these quarters are... Are, are creations of our financial market. So we don't, there's no concept where customers have to get a deal done by a certain date. We told our sales teams to get ahead of this problem. They got ahead of the problem. We reviewed deals with CFOs early in their life cycle. We want to make sure that every customer had what they needed. That allowed us to improve our execution capability. All we've done is kept delivering on the plan we set out 12 months ago. But- we're delivering on the plan. We're making sure that our customers get what they need, and we're staying Heads down, execution. Well, we're going to talk about two things that you got right. One is artificial intelligence, just a moment. But you told me and you told our viewers and you told my charitable trust that you have to start pivoting. It's no longer good enough to have growth. You need profitable growth. Others have imitated that, but you saw it coming. How did you know to switch? Well, Jim, I have to give credit to a very long-term investor who came to visit me about eight or nine months ago. They looked at our numbers, they looked at our growth and said, listen, this is all great. At some point in time, you just start showing us scale and leverage. And it just so happened that it coincided with the Fed beginning to increase interest rates, which allowed us the sort of the overlay for us to start making some real changes in our business. We have scrutinized our gross margin. We've scrutinized our headcount. We've scrutinized our processes to make sure that we run this business efficiently. What we've been able to do is we've been able to improve our operating margins by 440 basis points in the last 12 months. We were 440 basis points ahead of where we were same quarter last year, and we think this is the new basis. We had given guidance that we would improve by 50 to 100 basis points every year over three years. We are three years ahead of our guidance on operating margin now. Three years ahead of guidance is extraordinary. Now, how much of that is because you recognize that these are not just simple security breaches anymore? These are breaches that require artificial intelligence, machine learning to get ahead of the bad guys. Well, Jim, you know, two things that happened. You know, in early in our life cycle, we invested a lot in building a whole bunch of product categories. Now, those product categories are beginning to scale, beginning to mature. That allows us to get better margins from these categories. That's why we're three years ahead. That's one part of it. Now, the other part is where, you know, partially we got lucky and we worked hard. We identified the cloud as a big opportunity, and we identified AI as a big opportunity. I have been talking to you. I actually went back and saw all the clips you and I have made together. And I went back. We talked about AI five years ago. We talked about automation then. We talked about AI last year when I said I was going to take what we've done at Palo Alto. We've taken our mean time to respond to under minutes. And we're going to replicate that and make that a commercial product. We launched that product literally two months before ChatGPT came out and started telling people that AI is important. So sometimes better be lucky than good. Well, I, I think you're more than lucky. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of the other companies, your competitors, have fallen by the wayside, or at least their stocks have been crushed. Are you in a position to consolidate, or do you just not need anybody? You know, Jim, security is a very interesting space. In security, you have to innovate. You know, we, we shared something this quarter called the constant innovation flywheel. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about this and remind you about this in a few years, because in security, if you want to lead, you have to constantly innovate. And many of the consolidation opportunities you're seeing are legacy technologies which have not kept pace with the market, hence you're seeing them suffer at their top line or their margins. And that's not a good look for us. Doing that for us would put us back because we're better off innovating, creating best of breed products in the market, delivering them using cloud, delivering them using AI, and going out and taking share from those people who have legacy products. For us, going out and consolidating legacy markets is not 
what is interesting, you've seen us make 17 acquisitions. They've always been top of the stack, top one or two in their category, and something that we believe the customer is going to need, and that's going to become huge in the future. But that is certainly disruptive to everybody else. Now, one of the things that I think our viewers are thinking is, how could this stock be soaring when we're not looking every day in the news about hacks? We're not seeing what, what state-sponsored terrorists are doing. We're not seeing what people just say, listen, I need all of your Bitcoin. What happened to the big hacks? It, it, I don't want to say they're stopped. I, don't want, I also want to like knock wood. Don't want that to happen. But is there something at work right now that... Are we stopping them, stopping them quicker because of AI? Well, you know what, Jim, we haven't seen big hacks, but there's constant cyber activity that's going on. There's cyber activity at a nation state level. There's cyber activity happening at a corporation level. We're seeing that. We're getting ahead of it. We're helping our customers. At the same time, you know, you're getting flummoxed by the Fed, you know, chasing inflation, cutting in, increasing interest rates. At the end of the day, companies are operating. CEOs are operating nimbly. They're making sure that they continue to advance their tech stacks on the IT from the cybersecurity front. And there's tons of cybersecurity debt that has not been paid yet. It is being paid. It is an opportunity for us to consolidate. The reason you're seeing us do well is because the customer is saying, I want security. I want it to be good. I'm cost conscious too. I want to make sure you deliver it to me at the right price. And we're saying, listen, we can reduce the total cost of ownership. We had leadership in 13 categories by us. And our stuff is not only good, it works together. So that's the reason I think we're getting into larger conversations with many of our customers, driving the consolidation conversation, hopefully being able to get some market share in our industry. Well, I think it's very important because we have a lot of the companies that are competitors to you saying that because of macro conditions, customers are holding back. What you're hearing, it, what you're telling me is they're not holding back. They have to do it, but they have to do it in a value-oriented way, which is what Palo Alto offers. Well, they're doing it in a value-oriented way. I said in our earnings call, we are seeing customers who are saying, I need help making payments. I don't want to pay you up front. It's not a TCV business anymore. I want to pay you on an analyzed basis. I want to get some financing. We have $6.2 billion in our balance sheet, Jim. I can afford to finance my customers. We generate, we'll generate north of $2.5 billion of free cash flow this year, despite running financing for some of our key customers on a selective basis. So we have the firepower, we have the muscle to be able to help our customers in this market. Not every one of our competitors who are smaller has that capacity. That's what it is. Okay, look, Nikesh, I got to stop you here because we got to go on to the rest of the show. But congratulations on an amazing quarter and, and on this amazing year where you're separating from everybody else. Good to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. That's Nikesh Arora, Chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks, which will probably be the biggest winner tomorrow. Mad Money's back in the Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round. Let's start with Robert Maine. Robert. Hey, booyah. Booyah, Robert. Yeah, you hope you're doing great. Appreciate all your help you give us, that's for sure. Calling about you, buddy. What's shaking? Calling about Impinge. You know, it is a great company. The problem is it's not a great stock. That's the problem right now at this particular moment. The stock is very overvalued but versus its business, which is quite good. you got to wait till it comes down before you buy any impinge. Clinton in Florida. Clinton. Jim. Uh, hey, does AST Space Mobile look promising to you? They successfully launched their first satellite. I'm interested. It doesn't matter. 
better. They're not making any money. Hey, by the way, I saw a launch last week. I put it on Twitter. It's really incredible. But doesn't mean I want to buy it. Let's go to Nico in Illinois. Nico. Jimmy Chill, big booyah from Chicago, pal. Wondering about Oh, Petco. man. Retail oh, God. you know, Petco's got, it's got some unbelievable it. things going for it. It is very inexpensive. You can buy in bulk. At the same time, it is, oh, man, at $10, which tells me, believe it or not, something's wrong. And I say don't buy Petco. Unbelievable. You know what's really wrong? It's up against Chewy and Walmart and Costco and all those other guys. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Big Booyah from California. How you doing, Jim? I, I love a familiar Booyah. Puts me in the mood. It's Tuesday. Why not? What's going on? Awesome. Uh, I'd like to know if I should zoom in or zoom out for ZI. Zoom info. Let's zoom out. We don't want any marketing right now. It's got. A, I got enough problems with Chapel Trust. We don't need Salesforce. I don't need another marketer. Zoom info. Ixnay. Tom in Illinois. Tom. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Quite welcome. Hey, listen, I'm calling about Pfizer. It seems to have been neglected by everyone. Do you think it's deserved? And that's why we have to buy Pfizer. Seven times earnings. Dr. Bullock came on, tells a good story. Good yield. That's what we want right now. If there is going to be a slowdown, I want to buy Pfizer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, why diversification matters now more than ever. Kramer meets the moment next. Why am I always going on and on about diversification? Well, it's because of days like today where the market's drenched in red ink. But if you had some exposure to the humdrum food and drug stocks, your portfolio actually had a few bright spots. See, Wall Street's got a manic depressive attitude right now. For a while, we were feeling confident the Fed could beat inflation without wrecking the economy. But now everybody's once again afraid, afraid that the Fed may have to destroy the economy in order to save it from out of control prices. In a possible Fed mandated recession, the best performing stocks of 2023 become garbage and the slowdown stocks, well, they suddenly become hot. Case in point, General Mills, with the stock up more than 4% today alone. Chairman and CEO Jeff Harmoning gave a talk today where he traced out how Mills has become a leader, not only in cereal, but in pet food, snack bars, Mexican food, and ice cream, all of which collectively make up about 50% of their businesses. These categories have huge growth, especially pet food, where their expensive blue buffalo brands is just crushing it. Customers are willing to spend more on their pets and then themselves, regardless of the economy's direction. That's what we're looking for. Meanwhile, the food category can absolutely keep up with inflation. It's one of the major causes of it. And General Mills said it'll be up an astounding 14% this year. Oh, that's the last thing Fed Chief Jay Powell wants to hear, but it is music to your ears if you are a shareholder in General Mills. Plus, it's gotten its costs under control by digitization. Now, let's zoom out for a second. Since the beginning of the year, investors have chased all the formerly beaten down tech stocks, both profitable and unprofitable. They're expensive. They've fallen in love with industrials. At the same time, they dumped the food and drug stocks because, well, those are recession plays. And for a while, Wall Street was confident the Fed could prevent a full-blown recession. But this morning, Home Depot and Walmart both provided cautious guidance for the year ahead, hitting of harder times to come. Practically overnight, the slowdown stocks came back in style in the Wall Street fashion show. Of course, it's been agonizing to own something like General Mills or most of the drug stocks this year until today. And that's what makes diversification so darn difficult. At any given time, it means you need to own some stocks that just aren't working. 
But that's because what's working can change in a blink of an eye. And it's moments like these where a diversified portfolio proves its worth. Remember, diversification really is the only free lunch in this business. Constantly reminding members of the investing club of that. We're going to spend more time on this issue when the club convenes in person in New York this weekend for annual meeting. Because putting together a diversified portfolio requires the bravery to buy what's being thrown out when it's at its most hated. Just this morning, we had the charitable trust buy shares in Johnson & Johnson, which was being tossed out furiously as part of today's morass. Got a good dividend, one of the least economically sensitive companies on earth. That's the playbook. That's what you need, right for buying. Look, as I said at the top of the show, I don't think this is a great moment for the market. I think it's a difficult moment. That's exactly when diversification shines. It's what you need when things get ugly. Diversification and a dollop of cash will get you through this. It always does. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.